God, I just want to thank you for this time. For retreats like this, um, God, I know that, uh, you know, dating, the topic of dating and, and church is, is not a fun topic to discuss or talk about because uh, I feel like the world just has a crazy different perspective and a crazy different view on dating. Um, and so, God, we're called to, to change that culture, to, set, to be set apart, to, be, to look differently in our, in our relationships, just like we're called in every other area of our life. And so, God, I pray as we dissect this and we talk about this today, um, that we can keep you uh, centered and, and first most, um, just like we're st- called to stay connected to you as a vine. Um, there's no difference in our relationships with one another, Lord. So thank you for your son, um, and thank you for this opportunity to be able to talk um, and have a retreat like this to be able to uh, just encourage and love on one, each other, one another. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so let me get a, a vibe real quick. Who in here actually is in a dating relationship right now? Okay. So the rest of y'all are just thirsty. You just want, you came in here, you came in here, you came in here to take some notes to figure out what it is you guys need to do to get, to snatch that woman up. All right. So that's, that's good to know. Good to know. A lot of people in here are trying to look for something. All right. Well, this is the right class to be in. Okay. Um, make sure that you let that girl or guy know afterwards that you went to this class and that's going to be, that's going to be your first brownie points. Okay. Um, so here's the thing. My wife was supposed to be doing this with me, um, but she actually is up in the room. One of our daughters has a fever. Um, she doesn't have any symptoms, which is crazy, but she just has a high fever. So we thought it'd be best for her to just kind of stay in the room until we go, uh, my little three-year-old. So just keep her in your prayers. Um, but, you know, I was really hoping that my wife would be here because, she, you know, I like to sometimes sugarcoat certain things. Um, and she comes in like, no, that's not the way this happened at all. <laughs> you know? um, but we're like a yin and a yang. Uh, if anybody knows our marriage and knows our relationship, they know that we don't have a lot in common, um, which is, is awesome at times, but at other times it's incredibly difficult to maintain a marriage uh, with completely different personalities. Uh, but that's one of the things that I love about kingdom dating and what I love about kingdom marriages is that it's, it's not meant to always look the same. Um, the only thing that's called to be in common is your relationship with God. Everything else is just bonus. Um, and so when I look at my wife and I look at our lives, I'm very grateful what God has provided me with. But I know that it took a lot of time through dating and relationships um, and failures. So what, I, what I'm going to bring to you guys today is honestly not out of arrogance. It's not out of success. But my wife and I dated the first time around, and we were incredibly impure. We were incredibly... Uh, deceptive. Uh, we had a lot of hidden motives in our dating relationship. Um, the, you know, the first time around, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, and my wife at that time, uh, she, her, her, her mom and dad were youth leaders, and they were going through a divorce. And so uh, our motives for our relationship very quickly went to impurities and dependency and things like that, and it became very toxic. And so what I'm going to bring you guys is just honestly, by uh, God's grace, we were able to come back and be reunited years later after we had kind of given up on each other in a relationship and she had moved to a different school and I was in a different ministry. Um, it was only by God that we came back together. And so, um, you know, like I said, what I'm going to bring you guys today, what I'm going to talk about today is not because I am the ideal image of what that should look like, but I've learned through a lot of mistakes and a lot of failures. Um, and a lot of things that I hope that I can give you guys to not repeat the same cycle that I had to repeat one day. Um, so, kingdom dating and why it's so important. Just to start off, what I want you guys to know is dating is, is a huge, huge example to the world uh, in a relationship with God. And I think that we sometimes overlook the significance and the importance of what kingdom dating is meant to be. And we think it's, it's kind of more casual and, and you know, loosey-goosey. That it doesn't really matter who you date. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. But dating is super important because I think so many times as college students, we get so caught on what's right in front of us, we don't think about the long-term impacts of what that could be. You know, when you guys are dating guys and girls, you guys should be looking for a spouse. You guys should be keeping an eye on the kind of men and women that you guys would want to be married to one day. Outside of that, there's really no point to date. It's not just because you, you know, it's not like you guys are trying to find somebody to go to the clubs with. It's just somebody that you want to bring to Thanksgiving dinner just so you don't feel lonely. Like, that's what the world does. But whenever we're choosing to date people in a relationship with God, that kingdom dating mindset, it should really be that these are the kind of traits and behaviors and personalities that you would want in a future spouse one day. 
because we don't think about the long-term impact of, okay, what is this going to do to our kids one day if this is the type of person this is now? What is that going to look like in a marriage? How are the conflicts going to be resolved in a marriage? How are, how are our kids going to, are they going to choose one side or another? And this person that you choose to date and spend time with has got to bear those traits and qualities because if not, you're not going to look any more different than the relationships in the world. And how is that going to be set apart to be an example to the world if that's the same things that you guys are going to be doing? I know for me as a kid growing up, I, you know, I was, my mom and dad were never married. Um, my dad left whenever I was a young kid. Uh, I made a point as a young kid to never be like my dad or my mom in that marriage or the lack thereof. Uh, I have four siblings. Between us, there are three different dads. Um, my mom was married three different times, and I look at the way that my family was raised, and I didn't want anything like that. I love my brothers and sisters to death, and I love my mom to death, but I didn't want that example to be something that my kids had to go through. I didn't want to see uh, different holidays that my kids had to go bounce back and forth with. I didn't want to see that my, my siblings or my kids had different moms and dads that they had to share their time with. I wanted there to be something different. And I think at a young age, before I found my relationship with God, like I had an idea and I had a mindset of what I needed to do to attain that. Um, but ultimately, it was still very selfish. It was a selfish mindset that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach this my way. I'm going to date my way, not God's way. And even though my way had a lot of good in it, it still wasn't God's way. And so what I want to talk about today is just really understanding and looking at what it is that worldly dating says and what it truly means to have a kingdom dating mindset. And so there's, I think, five things that I've kind of laid out that we're just going to kind of look at the, the comparison and contrast. And guys, like I said, I, I think this is a serious topic, and I think our ministries, to be honest, even at the Crossing Church, are very skewed on how dating works. You know, like that there's just this legalistic view or this Christian view of what dating should look like. And we're going to kind of, we're going to kind of, I guess, dissect that a little bit today and figure out what it really is that God is wanting us to do. Okay? So here's the first one. Worldly dating says, date whoever you want. Worldly dating says, date whoever you want. But kingdom dating says, date disciples. And this is a pretty obvious one when you think about it. You know, the world, the world if, you look, if you look in the world and you look at the people on our college campuses, they're like, date whoever you want, whoever's cute, whoever's in the dorms, whoever's going to go out, whoever has the common interest as you. You can date whoever, whoever the mess you want. But when you truly look at kingdom dating, there is a type of person you should be seeking after. There is a type of, of trait of, of, of a person, and that's disciples. It says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, we've heard this so many times. It says, you are not the same as those who do not believe. So do not join yourselves to them. Good and bad do not belong together. Light and darkness cannot share together. And we've heard that before, the unequally yoked. And maybe that could mean a lot of different things. Maybe that could be talking about dating. Maybe that could be talking about partnering with people. Maybe that could be talking about just ministry and uniting with other people. But at the end of the day, God makes it very clear that we are on a path and we need to find people to partner with that are on that path. So why do we think that dating is any different? Why do we think that we can have this unity and we know that as disciples we're called to be around other disciples and we, we read the book of Acts and we see that the disciples met together, they had everything in common, but when we say dating, oh, there's, there's a little bit of, a, of, a, of a, a gap there. There's a little bit of extra there that I don't necessarily need to partner that verse with my dating relationships. I can kind of date whoever I want to date. And we get so accustomed to seeing people in the world date back and forth that we sometimes want to compromise and we say, you know, maybe this person doesn't have all these traits that I want in a man or a woman one day, but they do have a couple of them that I do want. Or maybe God hasn't provided me the man or the woman yet that I, that I want, but I'm getting tired of waiting. I'm getting tired of the men in the ministry not bringing in another man for me that's who I want. I'm getting tired of looking at these women and, and not seeing the type of models that I see on TikTok or Instagram, and I'm waiting for that one to show up. And so instead of us choosing to date true disciples, we just start to date people in the world and we minimize that. You know, my wife was listening to a bunch of podcasts. I'm going to try to put like my wife points in here still because she's like, make sure you say this, make sure you say that. But my wife listens to a lot of podcasts. And one of the things that she heard time and time again is that people were saying that our instant gratification, is that really worth the risk 
of our relationship with God being lost. And I think a lot of times we're, we're very arrogant about that the girl or guy that we date is not going to like break us, right? As long as I'm content and I'm so solid in my relationship with God, it doesn't matter really who I date because like I'm going to be okay. And if that's how you've ever thought about a relationship, if you've seen somebody maybe that you want to date in the world, you see somebody in the church that has been coming in, but like you know they're like not like dating material, but like you know that like you're good no matter what happens in that relationship, that is the most stupid thought process I've ever heard. Because what is that going to look like one day in your marriage whenever that person decides that they don't want a relationship with God no more? Maybe your relationship with God is great. Maybe your marriage is terrible, though, because of that. Maybe you're going to be that person that shows up on Sundays dragging your kids to school because, or to, to Sunday school because your husband or wife doesn't want to come anymore. You're going to have to be that parent that's going to have to decide one day if sports are more important than God. And so many times we think, oh, this is, but, but this just looks so good in college life right now. I'm going to miss my window. You know, like there's not many people left because once you get to the adult ministry, like, you know, it's slim pickings. <laughs> like you, you hear that a lot, right? You better figure it out now in college because once you get to that adult ministry, like it's going to be slim pickings for a little while, you know, until somebody else comes in. So we're like, we got to figure out something now. So if I, if I don't find somebody before I graduate, like maybe I need, maybe I need to minimize these things and maybe I need to look at different areas. But you need to find a partner. You need to find disciples to date. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron so people can improve each other. That's what you want in a partner. That's what you want in, in your future spouse that you're going to be dating. You want to you wanna look around your ministry and find somebody that says, hey, this person will make me better. This person will challenge the mess out of me. This person's character traits, this person's heart. And honestly, guys, I'm not even saying just in the ministry, like in your specific context, like Collinsville people from RCM, don't date anybody else at this retreat. Just date each other. You know, like, I'm not saying that. Like we do retreats like this to expose you to other college students that are dating material. Do you guys not understand that? Like when we do like retreats like this and we do the dance part and we do karaoke, we want you to hear some of them. All of me loves all of you. You know? Because you're like, oh, man, he's got a nice voice, you know? And like looking at it and, and just being able to see like, hey, it's not just the 10 or 12 people in our campus ministry that are single that I'm exposed to. But we've had people that have dated between our churches and the crossings. And we've had people move across rivers because they've found a relationship and they found a marriage because of a retreat or something like that. And so retreats like this are great opportunities for you to see that it's not just the context of the, of the, of the campus ministry that you're in, but there are other college students in the world that are doing the same things that you guys are doing. And you can take advantage of retreats like this to find those kind of people. But whenever there's a seriousness of dating, you cannot ignore the red flags. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you're interested in a guy or a girl and you see red flags, you cannot ignore those. If you're a girl and you see a guy that's super attractive and super personable and he's got a great personality, but you don't see him worshiping, that's a red flag. That's a huge red flag. If you don't see him taking notes in class because he's so arrogant to think he already knows this stuff, that's a huge red flag. Because what do you think is going to happen in your marriage one day whenever there's a huge fight and your man isn't going to seek wise counsel? He's going to think he knows how to run the marriage. He's going to think he knows everything he needs to know about how to handle relationships and conflicts because that's what he shows in his relationship with God to people in a retreat. Oh, I don't need this stuff. I know these verses. Oh, I don't need to write A, B, and C down. I already know this stuff. Oh, but I, you know, then why are you still single, guys? If you think you know it all, why haven't you got a girl yet? They can see the arrogance. They can see your posture. They can see your attitude. They can see your heart. Maybe you think all they see is your body and your image and your personality and the people you hang out with. But man, I'm telling you, it's, it's much more than an image. It's what you present to the Lord and what's, it's what you present to the ministry. And those red flags are huge. The same thing for you girls. If you act one way around this guy because you really like him, but then you're like a crazy chick with your friends, guys don't want that either. <laughs> you know, like they don't want that two-sided crazy woman. You know, they don't want to see a girl that's like not connected to her girls because she just does A, B, and C in her free time. But whenever she's around the guy, she's like, oh, you're so nice. You're so, I, I like talking with you. This is so nice. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe he gets hoodwinked for a little bit. But then you find out real quick, oh, this girl's two-faced. What's that going to look like in a marriage? 
oh, the girl shows up to church looking totally fine. But when she gets home, man, <laughs> you know, like, you see the crazy side come out. Like, we don't, the guys don't want that either. There's got to be consistency in the heart. There's got to be relationships that, and so those red flags, those aren't red flags you want to compromise on. Those are red flags that you want to challenge. It doesn't mean that person is not going to make it. It's not dating material, but you better make sure you're walking into those, those relationships being like, these are things that I need to know can be changed or modified because these are, these are the things that I need to make sure I have in a man or woman moving down the road. You have to know the difference in a struggle in somebody's heart versus rebellion. You've got to be able to talk to people and say, listen, you know, I see this in your life. I see this in your heart. Are you struggling with this? Are you trying to work on this? Or is this just who you are? Because if this is just who you are, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't, I don't want to date somebody like this. But if you're a man or a woman that knows that you have these struggles and you're working really hard in your ministry and your relationship with God and, and surrounding yourself with other men and women, yeah, there's, there's going to be some grace given. And that's definitely dating material. You want to see humility. You don't want to see people who have like they act like, uh, acting like they have it all together. Look at Samson and Delilah. We see this very clearly in their relationship. Samson saw the instant gratification. Samson saw what he wanted to see. But the heart of the woman was not there. It wasn't pure. And we all know how that story ends. In Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Colossians 3.12, guys, listen to that. Compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Are any of those things physical? Are any of those things, the way your hair's done, the way your body looks, the way that you present yourself to one another, those are all hearts. Those are all issues that happen within. Those are all the traits and behaviors. And we get so focused on the external, we forget about the internal. So that's our first one. Date whoever you want versus date disciples. Our second one is worldly dating says, date when you're ready. Date when you're ready. The key word here is being independent. The world says, hey man, it's all about you. Do what you want to do. Shoot your shot whenever you're ready. You know, like, if that's the kind of girl you, or that's the kind of guy you want to go for, man, you just do your thing, man. See what happens. Just, you know, it's all, it's all about what you want when you want. Independent. But what kingdom dating says is you need to seek wise counsel. You need to seek wise counsel. I'm going to tell you all right now, you ain't slick when you're trying to single people out. <laughs> like, I've seen it so many times in campus ministry where somebody's like, man, I really like that guy. I really like that girl. I'm going to try to, like, hang out with them, like, one-on-one. -on -one. I'm going to try to see if they want to go to the movies or, like, I'm going to do, like a, like, a, like, a hangout night. But, like, I ain't going to invite everybody, just a person or two. And then that way I'm going to, like, justify and be like, hey, I invited somebody else, too. Like, I ain't trying to, like... I'm like, no, you ain't slick. Like, we can see right through that, like, your motives whenever you choose to hang out with certain people. What I always tell people in our ministry is like, hey, let me check your phone, right? Because if you're truly trying to be a brother in Christ to the sisters in your ministry, then there will be consistency with most of the girls in the ministry. That you'll be able to see, you know, that you text multiple girls saying, hey, how's your day? Hey, I was just wanting to let you know I was thinking about you. Is there anything you want me to pray for? You know, like, dropping the spiritual card on a bunch of these chicks, right? Being like, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to be a brother. Oh, really? Then how come you only ask this one girl about her lifestyle, but you don't text any of the other sisters in your ministry to see how they're doing? That ain't so slick. And maybe you think you're slick with that, but I'm going to tell you right now that as a man who has a, a wife, and I find out what my wife and her friends talk about in their circles, do you not think, I'm just going to help some of you guys out for a minute, do you not think that the girls talk about you in their circles? <laughs> do you not think that if you're a new guy coming around thinking that you're a hot shot and you're trying to text some girls, and you're like, oh man, I'm just going to check on this girl, see how she's doing, ask her if there's anything she needs me to pray about, I'm going to drop off some stuff at her house, and then all these girls get together and like, oh hey, so-and-so, he's so nice. He does this, and he does this, and he does this. He's just a really good brother. 
what do you think those other? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you, do you not understand that the other girls in that circle are like, hmm, he's never done that for me. Yeah, he's never done that for me either. Hmm. I'm waiting for him to do something like that. He hasn't ever texted me in this. I don't even think he knows my name. You know, how, you know how dumb that looks? You know, whenever you're like, yeah, man, I'm trying. If you want to get in with a girl, get in with her girls. You know, like be somebody that's going to be nice with everyone. And, and maybe there is a, a hidden motive in that, but at least it shows a discipline that it's not just singling somebody out. It helps round out a discipline that I can't just be like this for this girl and show attention to this girl because it's what I want. But choosing to involve yourself with other people so that there is consistency. You know why it's not so weird at the Crossings Church to see multiple people date multiple people? And if you're in the generation of me of campus ministry, you know, we can play. Have you guys ever like that six degrees of Kevin Bacon where you can like find like five or six different movies that always find? You can like find like the six degrees of dating in the Crossings Church to like point somebody to somebody. That person dated that person who dated that person who dated that person. And it always goes back to like these two or three like guys. You know, like they dated like the entire ministry. You know, um, it's just there were so many dating circles that happened in those windows. Um, and in other churches and in the world, that's freaking weird. You know, like that, that's not normal to see that. But why is that so unnatural? Why is that so not normal? You know what makes it cool is because when people date in the Crossings Church, they realize their relationship with God is more of a priority than what could happen in the relationship. So when things don't work out, they're still friends. You don't see that in the world. In the world, if it doesn't work out, it's awkward. You know, and there will probably be an awkward scene for like a little bit of time, to be honest. Like, if something doesn't work out in the church, you're like, yeah, maybe there's going to be a little bit of awkwardness. But ultimately, as time goes on, people grow up and they mature and they realize that dating was supposed to be something that was supposed to test the waters to see if there's compatibility, not like this is going to test the waters to see if this person's actually going to be my friend forever or not. You know, it's, it's crazy to see some of the relationships and some of the things that happen with people that just didn't work out. And we can look back at them now and be like, hey, you know, that person actually used to date that person and it ended terribly. Really? But they're like really good friends. Yeah, it's because they didn't just make it about the dating and then if it didn't work out, they weren't gonna be friends anymore. It makes no sense that people choose to date just to date, but they don't already have that relationship built around one another. You know, because if we're called to be united and be dependent as disciples, why do we always go rogue when it comes to pursuing dating relationships? Why do we always go out by ourselves and do these things? So when we talk about dating when you're ready versus seeking wise counsel, we have to understand that there, there is an importance to getting advice. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. It's so important to get advice and insight when dating other people. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there's no guidance, a people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is safety. The church is meant to provide a safe hub to learn how to date. Because we don't date like the world. So when you come into a ministry thinking you already know how to date, you, you are done made the first mistake because you don't. You know how to date in a worldly context. You know how to get what you want, but you don't know how to give what God wants. And so God has provided a ministry just like everything else in our lives. You know, maybe we don't know how to be good students. Well, God's provided us a campus ministry to learn how to be more disciplined, to have study groups, to stay up late and challenge one another, hold each other accountable. Maybe we don't know how to hold down a job. Well, God's provided a ministry to help you be more disciplined in those areas. Maybe we don't know how to, you know, apply for a car or, you know, rent out an apartment. Maybe we don't know these things because our parents or our context or our cultures have not showed us these things. The same is said about dating. Maybe we just don't know how to date. Well, God's provided you a ministry and a unity to get wise counsel and insight to help you with those things as well. And so it's so important to not just make dating about what you want. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom 
than to get gold, to get insight rather than to get silver. You see, it's so important to seek wise counsel whenever we choose to date people. Now, here's the second side of this idea of seeking wise counsel, because we're always so independent on what we want, right? This is what I want in a girl. This is what I want in a guy, you know? So these are the kind of things I'm going to be looking for. And a good piece of seeking wise counsel is not to always be looking towards the outside, but looking towards what's going on with you. That seeking wise counsel is really good for our character development as well, because we're so focused on where everyone else is, but really, where are you? Where are you at in your life? How do you, how do you challenge yourself? How do, you, how do you check in with guys and be like, hey man, like, what do you think I need to improve on? What do you think I need to work, you know, work on? Versus, hey, this is the kind of girl I want to go after. I'm going to be looking at these girls and seeing what's going on with them. Or girls, you know, I'm, I'm just going to wait and see how this guy matures because that's kind of what I want. And we, and we don't really work on ourselves. We're just waiting for a guy or a girl to arrive when we honestly don't even know that we haven't arrived ourselves yet. And we think that we're ready for anyone and everyone to come around, but yet, once again, that arrogance kind of stinks, sticks itself out. My wife wanted me to talk about this. This is my last point. You need to take care of yourself physically as well. <laughs> you need to make sure that you guys, honestly, chicks, I ain't very attracted to a bunch of girls that walk up in church and sweats. You know, you look like you just rolled out of bed, your hair's all over the place, you know, you got your hoodies on, your baggy pants, and but, but you feel comfortable, right? It's a comfortable day today, right? You got to take care of yourself. I'm not saying you need to look all diva up and get makeup on in the big old hoops, look like you're going out to a club. That's not what I'm trying to say. But don't make it look like you're just trying to go from your bedroom to your living room and back to your bedroom. <laughs> you know, like put something on that's a little presentable. Maybe something that, you know, uh, you would go to work in or maybe something, you know, just the way that you guys perceive yourselves as women you, you, you need to understand that there's a huge image that you can give to. But the, what I'm saying is it's not the image that the world tells is the image. I'm not saying that you need to, you know, sit there and, and try to beautify yourself and put all this fake stuff on you because guys really aren't attracted to that anymore either. They want to see real natural women. Women that are really trying to just be confident in who they are. Not trying to fake it. That's what makes men super attractive women. She's very confident who she is. And women, we, we, we can really, you guys can really work on that. We, we can work on that. <laughs> um, now, men, you ain't off the hook either, because you're even worse. All right? Your sweats don't even look like their name brand sweats, man. And they look like that. Holes all in them. Like, you're waiting for Grandma to buy you a new pair next Christmas. It's just, it's bad, you know? Your hair's all over the place. You ain't getting haircuts, man. My wife, my, my, my attraction level went up to my wife, like, twice as much with this bad fade right here. You know what I'm saying? Once I started learning how to get fades, my wife was like, man, where has this been for 10 years? And I'm like, 10 years? <laughs> but like, even now, I've been married, and I'm like, I'm still trying to like take care of myself in a way that my wife's still attracted to me. There ain't no, there ain't no hoodwinking somebody and be like, ah, I trapped you. You got the ring on now. I'm a slob. This is really who I am, babe. Go make me some sandwiches. I'm going to sit on the couch and play Call of Duty with my bros. You know, maybe once a year on your birthday, you might get a day like that, but that, that ain't going to be a good marriage. All right. And so there's things that you want to make sure that you guys are trying to present yourself to, to the, to the opposite sex to show attraction. You, maybe you wonder why guys and girls aren't looking at you. Do you really take care of yourself? You know, and I'm not talking just about the physical side of who you are, but the confident side of what you try, what you choose, what you choose to be. Would you walk into an interview the way that you walk into church? Would you walk into that classroom the first day of school the same way that you'd walk into a cross chat? There's got to be some kind of consistency in taking care of yourself as well. <laughs> okay, so here's another side piece that I want to jump in here while I'm talking about this stuff. So in, in, in I'm kind of all over the place too because I wasn't expecting to do this. I didn't, find, I didn't go to bed till 5.30 last night because my daughter was just up all night. So I'm kind of bouncing around, so I apologize if you're not getting this. Um, there are some things that I want to discuss, and it, mainly it comes from my ministry, but I think that this in general comes through dating in churches. 
There are some legalistic things that I hear in dating that need to just stop being said because I think that these phrases being heard in ministry really do culminate what independent dating and thinking is. So here are some things that I hear all the time in my ministry or through word of mouth through somebody else uh, that you just need to stop saying. And I'm going to explain what it really means, but it just needs to stop being said in this context because baby believers and new, and new Christians and new disciples, it's not going to be heard well in their ears. So here's the number first one I hear. I need a leader's permission or approval to date this person. Stop saying that. <laughs> I, I ain't your daddy. Like, I ain't going to sit here and tell you who you can and can't date. But there's this culture in Christian dating that's like, oh, you have to get your leader's approval. You have to go talk to them and make sure you get the stamp of approval. I ain't courting nobody like the 1800s. I ain't going to mom and dad and being like, do I have your permission? Yes, you do. You can date my daughter. You know, I've been watching a lot of 18. I've been watching a lot of 1883. Anybody watch that show yet? 1883. It's the Yellowstone prequel. Um, it's hilarious because it's like the frontier side and and the guy, the the main guy, he's on his horse and his, there's another wrangler and and the guy's daughter is flirting with him and he kind of walks up on his horse and he's like, "You can date my daughter, but you better not touch her." <laughs> and, and I'm like. Yeah, I'm like, sometimes I got to have that as a campus minister being like, you can date, but if you mess up with this, if you mess around with this chick, I'm going to whoop you in the, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to come after you. But no, that's not, that's not what that means. But we use this legalistic, you know, conversations with one another and then new people come into the ministry and they get so afraid to date and that it shouldn't be like that. There shouldn't be a culture of like, oh, if you want to join this ministry, let me walk you through how, how we date. It shouldn't be like that. Now, there is some truth in that phrase. I wouldn't say permission or approval. But I would say if you're a wise person and you want to seek wise counsel, whenever I started wanting to date Katie, I was talking to my guys. I was saying, hey, how do you think I'm doing right now? Like, how do you, is there anything that holds me back right now that would maybe, you know, want to pursue a girl? And sometimes I would even go above and beyond and go talk to some of the girls in the ministry. Like, hey, man, I think she's kind of cute. You know, I think she has a cool personality. What, what do you think? You know, like, because here's, here's the reason you should do stuff like that. One, because maybe you're not ready to date and you're, and you're kind of arrogant about it. If you're a dude like struggling with sexual morality and, and looking at porn all the time and just not consistent, yeah, you best believe as a campus minister, I'm going to tell you, no, I don't think you're ready to date these chicks because they need a godly man and not a, god, and not a guy that's a sheep or a wolf in sheep's clothing showing up to our ministry trying to prey on these chicks. So yeah, I don't want you dating our chicks if that's the way you're going to live and act. You need to work on this crap. And vice versa, you'd want to ask about those women because if some of those women are acting that same way, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to save you, man. Like, I'm trying to prevent a bombshell from showing up in your life. Maybe that girl is like, you know, she just got in the ministry and she has some really bad breakups and she's, just, she's emotionally all over the place and she needs some counseling, she needs some help, she needs some support. A guy is not going to help with that right now. Maybe give her some space and some time and just be a good brother to show her something different than what the world's done to her and the men. That sounds smart, doesn't it? So whenever you hear, I need a leader's permission and approval to date, you need to stop saying that. But as a disciple, you should want to seek wise counsel and have bros and sisters in your life that you can talk to and get encouragement and get counseling and get help. Because if you don't, that's just an arrogant way and an independent way of saying, I don't need people to help me with these things. I know what I'm doing. Here's another phrase. You can't date that person yet. They're too new. You heard that before? They're way too new. They, they just got baptized, man. Give them some space. Give them a minute, right? You can't date yet. They're too new. <sighs> Don't say that either. <laughs> you know, stop saying that to people. Because once again, you start to formulate this like strategy and how dating happens in ministry. Now, once again, there is some truth to that. Nobody's telling you can or can't date anybody. But doesn't it make sense if somebody is so banged up and came out of the world and they just went underneath the water and they're just now learning who Jesus is and they're just now learning to incorporate themselves with other men and women, doesn't it make sense that you'd want them to, feel, to form some sort of foundation before you might jump in there and, and take that spot instead? Doesn't it make sense to say, let me give some people some space 
to just develop good, solid friendships with guys or with girls before I just instantly jump in there and maybe shift that foundation to me instead. Maybe that's not your motive, but that can happen. So we've got to learn these phrases. There's truth behind some of them, but never in my life have I ever said one of these things to somebody. I've explained things to people to give them that that makes sense. I'm going to do that. Because biblically, that would probably help round out the relationship. Here's another one. I don't think that person's a good fit because I don't know them enough yet. I don't, I don't think that, eh, I, don't, I just don't, I don't know. I haven't talked to that person yet, you know. I don't think it's just, that's what dating is for. <laughs> like, we get, we get so legalistic with dating in church and in ministry. It's like, I have to know everything about that person to date them. I'm like, well, if that's what you want, why don't you just ask them to marry you instead of asking them to go on a date, you know? <laughs> Why even date if you're going to wait so long to get to know somebody? I finally know about, we're, we've been friends for six years. Do you want to go on a date with me? You know, that's what we wait for sometimes in church. And I'm like, that's not the way to do it. Stop waiting around so much. I'm going to tell you right now, even in Collinsville, for you Collinsville, there's probably 95% of you guys that I would say are ready to date. Maybe one or two of you guys. I'll talk to you guys later who you guys aren't. But <laughs> there's... There's about 95% of our ministry in Collinsville that I'd be like, if you want to date somebody, go ahead. Check it out. Because it doesn't got to be this super, like, emotional, like, it's so drama-filled. Like, dating is meant to be fun. Dating is meant to experience new things. Dating is meant to investigate. If you've already got it figured out, then why aren't you dating already? But dating is that opportunity to go into somebody's life and be like, hey, you know, we've, we've kind of been chatting a little bit for cross chat. It's been kind of cool to get to know you. Like, you want to go on a date sometime? You guys want to, you, you know, you want to go out to, you want to go out to eat with, maybe we can do a double date with somebody who's already in a relationship in the ministry. You know, like, I would encourage that too. If you're dating somebody for the first time, don't go by yourself. Because like, if you want the best out of that person, you want them to get opened up, well, bring somebody along with them that can already open them up. Bring one of their best friends around. I don't know how many times I've seen a guy and a girl date. They don't know each other very well. I'm like, hey, man, how'd it go? I mean, it's kind of awkward. We didn't, we didn't really talk a lot. Like, I tried to ask questions, and she gave me, like, one-word answers, and she'd ask questions, and I'd try to give one-word answers. And we just, we, just, we just always be talking about, like, our quiet times, how our quiet times are doing, and, like, uh, just ministry stuff the whole time. And I'm like, that sounds lame. <laughs> like, that, sound, that sounds like a bad date, you know? Like... I want to talk about what I'm, what I'm doing with my life. Like, I want to talk about sports every once in a while. I want to talk about whatever's going on. I want to talk about just random things going on in the world. I want to talk about these stupid TikToks I'd be watching sometimes. Being like, hey, this one's pretty funny. And I want her to be rolling her eyes at me because she thinks I'm stupid. You know, like, and little things like that. Like, I think it should be fun like that. You know how you do that? You bring somebody else into it. You bring your best friend into it. You bring his, you bring his best friend into it. And you get them out of their shell. And then you get to experience those conversations and those friendships and the things like that. You know how you do that? Not being so independent about it. Trying new things, incorporating other people, getting that counsel and that guidance. We want a girl, we want a guy so bad, but we're not willing to take those leaps to figure out if these people are ready for us. God's provided our ministries for some very attractive women, men, Y'all sleeping. Whenever I was, you know, in college ministry, man, you guys are tripping. <laughs> I look around our college ministry right now, and I see all these women, and I'm like, man, I wish that it was like this back in the day. I saw Katie. I snatched her up. You know, like, I was like, there's not, there's not a lot of women right now that are out there. Um, I don't know what you guys are looking for, to be honest. Because some guys I've heard say, I'm not ready to date. I, I, don't, I don't see anything. Well, what are you looking for then? You know, are you like waiting for like Gal Gadot to walk in? Because she ain't coming. You know, like it's, it's not going to happen. But like there are so many attractive women in our ministry. And you guys are tripping because somebody's going to come in and swoop them up. And their heart's in the right place. And they're wifey material. They are. They're loyal. They want a relationship with God. They want their kids to, raise, to be raised in a church. They want these things desperately. What do you want in a woman? 
that you can't find at a retreat like this. Same thing, women. You got dudes in this room that are trying to be solid dads one day. They're trying to be men that want to that, that wanna lead. Maybe they're not there yet, but they're much better than those dirt bags in the clubs right now on your college campuses and those frats, worrying about drinking, worrying about partying, worrying about status. Do you not remember the broken houses that some of you women came from? Some of the divorces? Some of the abuse that you had saw in your parents' lives? That's what you're going to find outside of this retreat. Obviously, yes, I think that there is a huge key and element that you need to be attracted to somebody. I'm not saying don't date somebody that you're not attracted to. But I do think that there are some of these, I think some of you guys set this pedestal so high, this, this status so high on the physical of what you see in men and women, that it's so unrealistic that you're going to compromise these spiritual things that you should be putting so high. And what you're going to end up with is terrible marriages. But there's so many people. If you're interested in somebody that's not even at this retreat, that's probably a red flag. If you're looking at people on your college campuses or on your Snapchats from school or from, you know, whatever, and they're not really looking to be somebody that's trying to improve their relationship with God and be humble, it's probably a red flag. And ask your leaders about people too. Hebrews 13, 17. I, I hate using this verse, but at the same time, sometimes I do love it. It says... Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for it will be no benefit of you. You see, some people don't like asking for advice on who to date and where to date because they're like, the leader's just trying to control us. They're just trying to tell us who, they're trying to play matchmaker. I'm going to tell you right now, yeah, I am trying to play matchmaker. (laughs) I am trying to hook you up with somebody that's going to be good for you one day. You know, because I'm looking at verses like this and what people, when they, when they read this verse, All they hear is submit to your leaders. And if that's all you hear in this verse, you really don't want to hear this verse. But if you're a disciple, you want to hear this verse because of what happens after that. It says, submit to your leaders because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. See, what you guys don't understand is as as a campus minister, as a leader, I have authority over my campus ministry. I am a shepherd and you are my sheep. I'm just going to put it there, you know, and that's the way it is. That's the way it was designed. And if you're a member of my church, you are submitting to that authority. I'm going to use the legalistic view on this for a second so you guys can understand this. So that means whatever I tell you to do, you should probably do it. You know, RJ kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, right? And when you hear that, an arrogant person says, man, I ain't trying to listen to nobody. He ain't going to tell me what to do, you know? And that heart is a terrible heart to have in ministry and in discipleship, and it's not going to look good for dating either. But the reason the Bible lines it out like that is because you don't understand that when you die or when I die, if I have authority over you and I'm your shepherd, I have to go to God one day and say, hey, God, I don't know who's somebody in this room, uh, Marcus, for example, all right? So Marcus is a guy in my ministry. He, I have authority over you, right? I'm your shepherd. You are my sheep, all right? That's how it goes. You do what I tell you to do, right? Now, that sounds like a sucky situation for Marcus, right? (laughs) You know, nobody wants to be in that position. But here's why that's so helpful. Because one day when Marcus dies, or one day when I die, I have to go to God and say, God, I was a leader. Here is what I did with Marcus. So I don't care who you date. I don't care who you guys spend time with. I don't care about any of that stuff. I don't care about it as much as I care about what God's going to judge with what I did with you. You guys think your leaders have it out for you sometimes. You guys think that your leaders just want the worst for you or they're just trying to be too picky or they don't like you. But you best believe that I don't care if you think I like you or not, but I'm going to do everything I can as a leader to make sure that God looks at this and says, you did well with shepherding that person. You pointed them in the right direction with the people who they should date. You try to keep them away from the people that they probably shouldn't have dated. You did your job as a shepherd for your people. So you can take that or leave that as you want when your leaders come into your life and they say, hey, that's probably not a good person. Hey, I'd give that some space. Hey, you need to work on A, B, and C. And if you don't want to listen to them, that's fine. But they're going to continue doing those things because they're trying to give you the best thing possible. 
When they say, hey, that might be a good matchup. Maybe you should seek that person out. They're not doing that just to be like, oh, we finally need to pair some people up to get them out of here. They don't, that's not what they're looking for, but they want what's best for you. They want you to have those good, solid marriages. They're looking at the hearts of people. A lot of times it's through their own mistakes and their own failures like it was me as a young age, but like, I want the best for my ministry. I want to see good, solid marriages raise up and lead in our church. I want to see kids that are going to last in church and have moms and dads that show up on Sundays with them. And so I'm going to do everything I can to help my men and women do that that I'm shepherding. But your role and your response is to submit to that and say, you know, I don't see it. Shoot, I'll, 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 but I'm going to listen. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll give it a date. And maybe it bombshells, you know, but maybe it doesn't. There's got to be a heart to seek wise counsel because the counselors that are put into your life are there to help you, not to control you. And then and only then will you realize that people are trying to help get you to have good godly relationships. Okay, now we've got to spitfire through these last couple ones because I was going all over the place. Okay, so third one. Worldly dating says date to get something. Worldly dating says date to get something. Kingdom dating says, date to give something. You see, in the world, you date to get out. Of, you, you're a consumer. You know, you want to just try to get as much as you can out of the relationship. What can I get from this girl? What can I get from this guy? You know, what kind, can I get status? Can I get, can I get impurity things? Can I get A, B, and C? What, what can I get? But we're actually called to give something to one another. At the end of the day, we're all still disciples, right? So you should still be acting like disciples in the relationship. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, we were created to do things. We were created to give. We were created to make and create. What are you making in your relationship? What are you creating in your relationship? Are you serving in your relationship? Are you kind in the relationship? Are you having the right response are you fighting fair in your relationship? Are you giving to your relationship to make it better? If God has already laid out work for you, once you get into a relationship, are you working on the relationship? Are you putting your 50% in? Are you doing what you can to make it work? Or is it all about what you can get out of the relationship? Good question is, if you're dating right now and you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, what are you doing to make their relationship better? What are you doing to fulfill this verse and create God's handiwork that he created in advance for you to do? What are you doing to show that? What are you doing to, to check that time card off at the end of your relationship every day to say, I did my work today in this relationship? If you're not dating and you're looking for that, what are you doing to get ready for that? What are you doing in your life to make yourself ready and get yourself ready for those situations? God's prepared these things, and one day you will be in that relationship. And so instead of just sitting around, just playing video games all day, you know, being lazy all day, and not working all day, are you getting yourself lined up to have behaviors and responsibilities and traits that will, that will transition well into a dating relationship? When you fight with each other, you know, if you're dating somebody, and when you're fighting with each other, this is my wife's point. When you fight, do you fight fair or do you shut down? Do you whine? My wife's words, she said, make sure you say it just like this. Don't pout because you look stupid. <laughs> she, said, she said, don't pout because you look so dumb. You look so dumb, so childish when you choose to pout. You know? And she's saying that because I do that sometimes. <laughs> like, I'll be sitting on the couch being like, hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> she's like, you're, she's like, ha ha ha. She does a stupid laugh. She's like, you're a 32 year old grown man. You're sitting on the couch pouting. You know? And I'm just like, you know, and, but I'm like, she's right. I probably do look stupid if I was in the mirror. You all just laughed at me doing it, so I'm sure that I probably would be looking pretty dumb, right? But are you trying to make something good out of the conflict? Are you trying to fix it? Are you trying to work on it? Or do you pout? Do you find a way to just not text them all day? That'll show them. I'm just going to shut them out. I know they're texting me, but I know. I'm just going to give them one-word one answers because I'm upset with them all day. Just one-word answers. I want them to know that I'm upset with them, but I don't really want to fix the fight. I just want them to know. So then we can both be miserable. You know, like, what is it that you do to give to that relationship to make it better? You date to make the relationship better, not to make it worse. And if your mindset is consuming, 
Well, it probably is going to be worse. If you're looking for a girlfriend or boyfriend, why do you want a boyfriend or girlfriend? Is it because it's what you want? Or is it because you think you're ready to give something to somebody to make them better? I'm a man. I want to make something better in, my, in, my, in a girl. If that's your mindset, yeah, that sounds like a good mindset to have in trying to find somebody to date. But if it's just, I want a girlfriend. I'm so lonely. I just want somebody that I can kiss goodnight. You know, like, that's probably not a good mindset to have because you're not really going to give anything. It sounds like you just want to get a lot of stuff. Fourth point. Worldly dating says you show love through physical intimacy. That's what the world says. If you really love somebody, you're going to give them physical intimacy. <laughs> Kingdom dating says show love through purity and self-control. So worldly dating, show love through physical intimacy. Kingdom dating says show love through purity and self-control. I'm not going to hit on this one too long because we already know. The Bible, the Bible lines it out very clearly. Sex before marriage is sin. It's not wise to get into intimate relationship before marriage. It's, you know, I don't need to explain it because it's laid out in the Word. I don't have to tell you why a sin is a sin. You either listen to God's words or you don't. So I'm not going to sit here and elaborate on this one all day. But I will elaborate on the love side of this because 1 Corinthians 13, we've heard this before, you hear it at marriages all the time. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always preserves or perseveres. Not once to say anything about physical in that verse. Physical intimacy does not show love in a spiritual dating relationship. That is reserved and waited for the bounds of marriage. There's a time and a place for that, and dating is not there. Does physical intimacy show self-control? No. Does physical in intimacy uh, show self-seeking? Does it dishonor the other person? You know, do you feel a certain way? Because honestly, it sounds like physical intimacy in the bounds of dating is the exact opposite of love. When you choose to pursue that in a dating relationship, you're actually showing biblically the exact opposite of love. When you choose to make out with your girlfriend late at night in the, in the, on the couch, and like, oh, making out is not sex. Why are you doing it? What's, what's, what's the point? I'm just trying to show her I'm, I'm into her. No, you're not. Because this verse helps us understand that's the exact opposite of what you're showing her. You're showing her you have no self-control and you're just trying to flirt with the line. You're showing her you're trying to get as much as you can out of it. Sounds like it's more about you than what you're actually giving to her. You can convince yourself that it's a show or something, but it's because you feel like you need to show that to her. So 1 Corinthians 13 is more about showing that there is a big difference between showing intimacy and love to people and not. I don't know if you guys are trying to get it or not. We're almost, we're almost done. Um, so when you guys are showing those things to one another, just realize that phys anything physical in the dating relationship is not meant there to, be sh to show love. Now, I'm not saying, like, don't kiss. You know, like, don't say goodnight or, you know, you know things like that. But, like, what is your motive and what's your mindset between things? And the last one is, worldly dating says the relationship should be centered around each other. The world says the relationship's about each other. It should be centered around each other. Well, kingdom dating says the relationship should be centered to help others. And the key word there is mission. You see, the world's going to tell you that your relationship is about you two starting this journey together and everything's about you guys. And that's what the world wants you to believe. But God says the entire reason that you date, once again, is just like a disciple to be a light to the world. Your relationship is now a light to the world. It is meant to be a mission mindset. It's meant to create an even greater light in your life to reach a greater sphere of people because now that you're dating, you can reach other couples. Now that you're going to be married one day, you can reach other married couples. Now that you have kids, you can reach other kids. Every area of the relationships put in your life, God is saying, is meant to be used for my mission. So you need to look at the people in your life, the dating people, and, and look, look for dating material. How do they function in the ministry? 
If you're a girl and you're looking for guys, do they involve themselves in the ministry? Are they getting out of themselves at cross chats, at, the, at, at small groups or things like that? Are they consistent? Are they showing up to church? Look at their worship style. Look at the things that they do. Are they trying to do secondary ministries at church? Are they trying to get on the worship team or the welcome ministry? Or even just the small things like passing the baskets. Just saying, I want to be activated because I want to be used in the ministry. Are you seeing those kinds of men? Is that what you're looking for? Because once you get dating them and once you get married to them, Whatever you see now is what's going to show up then. You definitely don't want, to, you don't want to marry a dude or date a dude that you have to tell them what to do. Hey, you should really start helping out with another ministry. You don't want that because it's always going to be a fight for the rest of your life. You're going to be dragging your dude around, kicking his butt, saying to get in gear. You want a man who's already doing those things. Same thing with you women. The guys that you look, you, got, you guys look at these women, what are they doing? Are they involving themselves in ministry? Are they serving? Do they have good friendships and relationships with each other? Is there humility in one another when you're looking for the spouse? Or is there an arrogance that I know everything? It's about us. It's going to be about you and me. We don't need to involve each other when we mess up. When you date a selfish person, you're going to create a self-centered relationship. And it's not going to help anything in your life. Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. If you're called to be like Christ, how is that going to be showcased in your relationship? If you're called to die to self the moment you went underneath that water, that means every single area and aspect of your life moving forward is centered around being a light to the world and being mission-minded to find and help people that need your help. And your dating relationship should amplify that, not minimize that. I preach this very, very, I'll wrap up saying this. You know, I preach this very clearly to people that there is a tier and a pedestal of importance and priorities in your life. And the top three for me are biblical, and I think it should be centered around this every single person. Your number one priority should be to God, first and foremost. God goes first. If you want to make a little triangle and put God on the top, go ahead. Second tier is your family. I think God gives us families and puts families in our lives because we are called to lead our families, and if we cannot lead our families, we will never ever be able to lead ministries effectively. So if you can't lead the only people in your house, and, you know, college students, obviously, this isn't talking about your moms and dads, your sisters, brothers. Like, there's an element to that, but I think he's talking about the household that you create one day. One day when you have a wife or husband and kids. That's the family he's talking about. And then your ministry is right underneath that. It's God, family, ministry. Everything else finds its tear underneath that. Your job, your school, your dating relationships, your, you know, your hobbies, your whatever. That's all down low. You can make your own priorities out of that based on where you're at in context with if you're, maybe you're an athlete and it's a little bit higher. Maybe you're a really good worker. Maybe you're really trying to get a degree. You know, wherever you want to put those priorities, that's fine. But God, family, ministry does not change. When you are dating somebody, they are not in that triangle. They will never be in that triangle as your boyfriend or girlfriend. Because their role in boyfriend-girlfriend is not to be in the triangle. It's meant to amplify everything else in your life. The only time that boyfriend or girlfriend jumps into that triangle is when they say, I do, at the marriage altar, and they jump into family. But so many times in ministry, we minimize it, and we try to make that relationship bump above ministry. Oh, we got to have a date night. we got to have A, B, and C. We can't, go and be, we can't be doing all these Bible studies. I'm just too busy. I need to date A, B, and C. You know? And we try to push them up and force them into that triangle when they're not meant to be there yet biblically. And then, once again, we use that light and we squish it because we try to force it somewhere it's not to be. And so, guys, I know it's kind of all over the place. I was kind of rambling, but I really hope that some of these things can help you guys with dating. I've made lots of mistakes, and I wish I had things like this that I could take. But, guys, the, the, you know, the encouragement thing I want to say and the challenge that I, I hope that you guys hear is don't just take this and throw it away. Keep stuff like this for it when those times come. Challenge yourselves on these. If you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you best be talking to him about this lesson at some point this weekend. What can we do to change? What kind of areas are we having worldly dating context in? And how do we make it a kingdom dating mindset? What areas do we need to work on? 
If you're somebody who's looking for a relationship, go talk to one of your leaders and be like, you know, I, I, what, what, can I, what do you see in me? How can I work on these things? And I really do hope that these are things that you guys can really work on. Um, and I'm still continuing to work on, you know, in my marriage uh, because it never stops. Uh, you date your wife. You date your husband. It never stops. And so these principles will be for the rest of your life and not just for this courting time. So thanks for coming. Um, that's all I got. If you have any more questions or insight, just come talk to me. All right.